0: My Year of Bad Sex, written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. Part 3 There, now you've had some sex. Satisfied? I thought not. You're incorrigible don't worry, now the dam had been breached, the floodgates would open. There's a lot more filth to come, and most of it will be more detailed, I promise, much more detailed, maybe to the point where you're clicking away and listening to a podcast about the environment, or some tips on healthy eating. Following my one-to-one flesh-on-flesh with Nathan, I finally knew what had been true for some time, but I hadn't realised before. Not only was I allowed to do this, I enjoyed it, I had reclaimed my own body and could allow others to lay claim to parts of it too. Not all parts, but some. We'll come to that in a while. So, where next? You guessed, the dating apps, of course, where I discovered I had become a daddy. No, congratulations are not necessary, and don't fret, I won't be posting endless dreary photographs of a baby doing things that babies do, i.e. nothing, certainly nothing interesting. I mean, come on, every single infant looks like every other one that's ever been. I know, I know, yours is different, in your eyes anyway, just as it should be. A mother penguin can identify her chick out of thousands that appear to the rest of us as if they all bought identical coats in the January sales.' First, let's get one thing straight. You wanted the mini-you, right? Well, we shouldn't assume. I've been caught out like that before. When someone says, I'm pregnant, and you have to determine which way to go. Or increasingly, we're pregnant. No, the person you impregnated is pregnant. Never mind the math. Do the biology. But is the correct response, congratulations, or don't worry, nowadays it's easy to sort that out? You have to wait for enough clues to emerge before committing yourself either way. Like a goalie facing a penalty, coiled in perfect balance to leap either left or right. Or the receptionist at the Register Office for Births, Marriages and Deaths in Coventry. When my sister and I approached the desk after Dad died, the woman at the counter held a perfectly neutral expression, waiting to hear which department we needed. She was poised with potential, her voice and features ready to adopt the sympathetic... I'm so sorry to hear that, first door on the right. Or the gushing, That's lovely, second door on the left, response. We were first on the right, obviously, but I still remember her professional equilibrium, and I wonder if at the end of a busy week she sometimes got her words and expression out of sync, grinning wildly when the furrowed brow was the right response. Congratulations. Once it's clear which way we're going with this, it gets easier. You wanted the baby? Good. You're happy it's been born? Even better. But end of, surely? No, you expect me to make a comment? I'm aware that, um, don't worry, they look better with age, isn't quite what you want to hear. On the rigours of being a parent, my own mother once sighed and said solemnly, The first thirty years were the worst. On having a photo thrust at me, I fall back on lame expressions such as, Isn't it baby-like? Or, ten fingers, what a relief. Or even, aha, she's got her mother's squint. I find the safest option is, nice duvet, is it John Lewis? Neutral, but complimentary. So, no, not daddy in that sense. I mean, I was now a gentleman of a certain age in gayland when a man reaches a level of maturity the same age as matt damon the boeing 747 post-it notes or a rubik's cube he becomes by default a daddy especially if he stops shaving and his beard is now white if i had a pound for every message i got that started in lower case hi daddy i'd have enough to send a young man to a class in grammar and punctuation oh now i sound like your dad but when did daddy Dum descend. At what point did I mutate from dude to dad? I'd been in an LTR for thirteen years, remember. Then the time had come when we decided, reluctantly but respectfully and mutually, that he was going to dump me and break my heart, consigning me to a comatose life of solitude. Let's be clear, the term gay abandon can denote not only a blissful state of mind, but also the callous act of getting shot of your boyfriend.' the equivalent of leaving an old steam-iron on the pavement with a note attached, a bit leaky, but it still works. I was that iron. Once rejected, I had been reminded that all men are bastards, and I would never allow one near my heart again. I wanted nothing to do with relationships, men, sex, or even, sorry to be specific, but I think we've known each other long enough, even with penises, other than my own. And that only for flaccid urination, nothing even semi-engorged. Because arousal might lead to intercourse and romance, followed inevitably by abandonment and misery. So i had opted for a life of barren despair. Until Nathan worked his magic and reintroduced me to my own libido. To the apse, then! So called, I discovered, because everyone there is absolutely desperate. My friends at this point were all, Try Grinder. You should try Grinder. Everyone's on Grinder. I knew it, of course, what gay man didn't. I'd dabbled once before for a few guilty weeks and been suitably shocked at the brutality of it. Your exact distance from the nearest potential shag. It seemed a vital accompaniment for some chaps to pinpoint how many metres away the nearest prey was, like someone with cardiac arrhythmia needing to know the location of the closest defibrillator. In some places you could use grinder to estimate the dimensions of a room. It says that bearded hunk with a pint by the door is eight metres away, and the cute lad over there with a glass of red wine is five metres, so... "'Yes, this bar is about the same size as Brian and Patrick's new conservatory in Sitges. "'And the blatantly transactional nature of the conversations, "'although conversation seems too polite an expression for the one-word messages of greeting, "'cock,' or "'size,' or "'now,' "'to say nothing of the images that might pop up—and pop-up is definitely the right expression— I felt as if I'd opened the wrong door at a party, stumbling into a dark room of sweaty naked bodies when I was looking for the twiglets. Now, I'm not a prude, as you know. Indeed, some think me on the outspoken side. But the blatancy of Grinder had, shall we say, stuck in my throat. However, there were alternatives, and I decided to dip my toe first into the shallow end. TINDER had the reputation of being a lark, a kind of place Maureen or Debs would have a bit of a fling and then giggle about it with the girls at the office next day. Yes, I could probably manage that. Nothing X-rated. Not that I was expecting romance and flowers and a billet-doux, or even for someone to know what billet-doux are, let alone how to spell it. But a smidgen of banter would be welcome, evidence of humour, a bit of tongue-in-cheek, before any tongue-between-cheeks action and at least the two parties could only communicate if mutual interest had been expressed by a swipe to the, um... Oh, God, was it left or right? I really wasn't ingenue. Well, faint heart never won fair laddie, so one evening I downloaded the Tinder app onto my phone and snuggled up with Rupert to sleep. Well, in the morning... My phone pinged and bleeped as if infected with some rampant disease, a dog scintillescent with fleas. There were, thank you, 93 people who liked me. 93! Bear in mind that as language morphs, like no longer means like, just as friend no longer means friend. And meet doesn't mean they'll actually turn up. Now, I don't mean to be judgmental. I really don't. But it's tough not to be when people choose to put images of themselves in their profile that seem to demand a scornful response, like those Latin expressions expecting the answer yes or expecting no. We still use them manipulatively. You are going to clean the bath, aren't you? Your mother won't be expecting me to drive all the way to Cornwall to see her exhibition of macrame cushion covers, will she? Really, I want to quiz these people. Really? That is your best look? The ghastly hair which might be funny if it were a comedy wig. The miserable expression that suggests meeting you for a drink would drain me of the power to breathe. That goofy grin at your office party which would prompt me to sit at a different table. The vacant expression and fag in your lips that looks like a a 3am mistake which should have been deleted. The series of shots with your arms around different groups of mates so I have to scan forwards and backwards to work out which one is you, the common denominator.' And when I do, I'm disappointed you're not the one I fancy. Is it okay to contact you and ask for your friend's number, the one with a square jaw and dimpled chin? The pictures where you've got a can of lager, or a glass of wine, or a bottle of beer in every single one. Am I to assume you are a lush? The selfies taken into a mirror where you sullenly stare at the phone, which is masking 50% of your face, instead of looking into the mirror at me.' fingers and thumbs bent into a shape that has a vague likeness to a heart i hate that you on an inflated flamingo in a pool or in front of the eiffel tower god i am sick of the eiffel fucking tower so you've been to france well whoop de do unless it's some kind of code for an impressive erection that was initially temporary but is still thrusting into the sky way past its detumescent date, Or my absolute bet noir, literally in many cases, the dog slobbering over your face. Oh, no, just no. Or is that another coded message about pleasures you desire but are only allowed to hint at here, along the lines of the old joke, why does a dog lick its own bollocks? Because it can. Is this honestly the best you can do? I think of the photographs of properties for sale, where there's a pile of unwashed dishes in the sink, or the duvet is half off the bed as if the occupant only vacated it reluctantly to allow the photographer access. I suppose we're lucky they did manage to crawl out at all. You can almost feel the heat rising from the warm sheets. Yes, I know we're not buying the dishes or the duvet, but for fuck's sake, make an effort. Surely... My granny would say you're nowt special, kid, but for God's sake don't make it look any worse. So I peeped at those ninety-three people and dismissed, one after another, swiping left, 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 like a sergeant major having a seizure on the parade ground and giving all the soldiers a hernia. Left, left. I soon had the number of potential suitors down to a handful, single figures, which they all were, obviously. By the way, before you say it, I know, I am fully aware that everyone else who had looked at my pics had been similarly critical about me. Really? That old face, that bald head, scraggy neck, that fake grin, that naff shirt, those moobs. Oh, put your shirt back on, Grandad. And those smug words in the profile, likes, apostrophes and pistachios, dislikes, clichés, Tories and Brexiters, and dogs and finger hearts, and French monuments built in 1889. He sounds a right, old killjoy. No, they wouldn't say that. More like, wanker, tosser, twat. Well, that's what most thought about me. Apart from the 93 people who saw something to like. Apparently there are 57 million users of Tinder worldwide. Tinderers, Tinderians, Tinderistas. So approximately naught point naught 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 one per cent of them think I'm worth starting a conversation with. Not so smug now, eh? With the few potential virtual cruisees I swiped right to express a mutual interest. But here's that caveat liking does not necessarily mean liking enough to tap out a conversation. In the same way that two exotic creatures in a zoo might be led into a mating cage, both on heat but wary of actual contact, I and Mike or Emilio or Jim would look at our empty screens, aware of the bilateral attraction but unwilling to fire the starting gun. Or they were talking to so many other guys that they never quite got round to me. And if a chat was instigated, it invariably began, Hi, to which the response was, Hi, and then, How are you? And great. Not exactly a literary salon. When I tried to open things up with Tell me a bit about yourself, Ben, I got, every single time, What you want to know. You, letter U. Two, figure two. No, N-O. Now, I'm not a snob, as you know. All of that handful quickly hit the buffers. The chit-chat was shit-chat. It didn't so much conclude as get truncated like an amputated limb, leaving a palpable emptiness. One of them ended when he, Jay, typed, "'Can I ask you something?' And I thought, "Oh oh here we go, the age question around which I dance without fibbing.' But no, he said, "'What star sign are you?' <laughs> "'I'm sorry. What? What?' Was he serious?' I sent a crying with laughter emoji, but yes, apparently this mattered. Well, evidently, what he didn't want to hear from a man of my age was Virgo. Jay instantly blocked me and disappeared from my screen. I hadn't imagined this was going to develop into a great romance, but at least a bit of chat and a pick-swap would have been nice. There are many, many reasons I can think of to reject me, but to be dumped because of which month I emerged from the womb... Well, that does seem a tad harsh. Anyway, what's the right answer? And who gives a shit whether I'm Pisces or Capricorn, a ram or a fish or a goddamn goat? Surely it's postcode and dick size that matter. Oh, sorry. Does that make me sound just a little shallow? Obviously, I'm prepared to compromise on postcode. But speaking of dick size... No, we'll come on to that shortly. More crucially... I had begun. So many men, so little self-restraint. This was going to be easy. My Year of Bad Sex is written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. The music and studio production are by Andy Mills. My Year of Bad Sex is a Protocol production.